This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. As I set up our scripture for us this morning, I'll let you know that we are going to be in John's gospel today, the gospel of John, chapter 14, starting at verse 15. So if you have a Bible or a digital Bible app on your, on your phone or device, I invite you um, to turn, open, click, swipe over to John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. For the past several weeks, our faith community has been on a journey. A journey asking two foundational questions for people of faith. What do we believe as Christians and why does it matter? What do we believe as Christians and why does it matter? And to engage this conversation, we've used three primary resources. The first um, being scripture. We are a people who are rooted in God's word. Um, The second being our Apostles' Creed, this great statement of faith for the church. And then third, we've been using a companion book, um, Adam Hamilton's Apostles' Creed, What Christians Believe and Why. And I know that there are several small groups and Sunday school classes, as well as individuals um, who have picked up this book, whether in hard copy or downloaded it digitally, and they are reading it along with us. But as we have journeyed through this conversation together, uh, we started by talking about belief itself and coming to an understanding where we know that when we say we believe, that our belief as Christians, really our belief as people, our deeply held convictions, regardless what they are about, um, often tend to drive our behavior and influence our action. So one of the things we said our very first week is that you know, deeply held convictions and beliefs will inform groups such as the Ku Klux Klan and also the Sisters of Charity. Both groups are operating out of a set of deeply held beliefs and convictions. So when we start a statement of faith with the words, I believe, everything that comes after that matters a great deal. It matters a great deal if we actually truly believe it and deeply hold it within our hearts. Then, walking through the Apostles' Creed, we've kind of been in a mini-series on the triune God, God as Trinity. We started with God the Father, reminding ourselves that God the Father is really revealed to us through creation, that the Scripture tells us that God imparted His image on us, that we are created in the image of God, and if we believe that we and everyone else on this planet is created in the image of God, If that's what we actually believe, then it should affect how we are in relationship with others. It should affect how we communicate with others. We then went on and said that if God the Father is revealed to us in creation and we understand that we believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, then Jesus Christ, the Son, is our Redeemer and our Reconciler. And the primary work of Jesus is to reveal God to us, to show us God's nature, to show us God's character, to reveal God's will for our lives and then call us to live into it. So just as Jesus said that his goal was to point people to the Father, it is our goal as Christians to point people to Jesus, that when people 
come into contact with us, when people see and experience us, they would see and experience Jesus. If God the Father is creator and God the Son, Jesus Christ, is our Redeemer and our Reconciler, well, today we come to this place of God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit, who we believe is our sustainer. We believe the Holy Spirit is our sustainer. And so I want to have a start by just saying the Holy Spirit portion of the Apostles' Creed. It's actually really easy. Ready? I believe in the Holy Spirit. Let's do that again. I believe in the Holy Spirit. One more time. I believe in the Holy Spirit. If you remember last week, it took, I mean, the, the statement of faith on Jesus took pretty much the whole screen. And, and here we are today um, talking about the Holy Spirit, and this is the information that we are given. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, good for you. Um, good for you. But, but why do we believe in the Holy Spirit? What is the work of the Holy Spirit in our world? Um, why do we profess belief in this person of God, and, and ultimately, why does it matter? And it's to that end that I want to begin in John chapter 14. Now, this is um, part of Jesus' last teaching to his disciples before he really begins his journey to the cross. Um, so it's part of this last um, segment of teachings in the Gospel of John. And here, uh, we see Jesus offering his disciples a word of comfort. A word of comfort before he leaves them and begins this difficult journey. And this is John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So again, if we believe God the Father is creator, God the Son is redeemer, Holy Spirit is our sustainer. The Holy Spirit is our sustainer. It's the Holy Spirit that um, reminds us of God's constant presence. We go on in the scripture this morning and we see that Jesus continues by saying, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. The Holy Spirit works within our lives to remind us of the presence of God, to remind us of the love of God, and to remind us that we are to continue in this journey of loving God ourselves. <clears throat> and so the Holy Spirit is actually um, part of our constant theology and our constant conversation when we talk about God. It is truly the work of the Holy Spirit that we believe um, continues to, to help us be people who can actively know God. And in the United Methodist Church, uh, the Holy Spirit actually has uh, quite a profound role in how we believe that God works in our lives. Have you ever maybe taken a moment to look at the, the symbol 
for the United Methodist Church, the cross and the flame. Well, the flame is really important because we believe that, that we experience God and that God is ultimately revealed to us primarily through the person of Jesus um, and also through the fire of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley, John Wesley, who is really the, the founder of the Methodist movement, had a wonderful theology around the Holy Spirit. He used the Holy Spirit to speak of, of many different things. One of the things that John Wesley used the Holy Spirit to talk about was grace and how we experience grace with God. One of those graces um, was this grace of sanctifying grace, grace that makes us holy. And so for Wesley, um, when we were people, we are people who come to faith in God, that it is not simply a, a moment of conversion that is really the, the ultimate example of our faith, but it is our life that we live even beyond that point, even beyond that point and growing closer to God. There's a really neat story um, for how Wesley experienced this. You need to know that, that Wesley grew up in a very religious home. Um, his father was an Anglican priest, and his mom was one of the most spiritually devout human beings ever on the face of the planet. Um, and she, she really taught Wesley and helped shape his faith as the person um, that would become this founder of this great movement in the church. But while Wesley was an Anglican priest, he actually journeyed to America um, to establish this movement in the States. And he went to the then colony of Georgia it's really interesting because when he went to Georgia, he didn't have such a great experience. Not a lot of people were really latching on to his message. And he was there for a couple years. And, and on his way back, he found himself um, on this boat with this group of religious people called the Moravians. He found himself on this boat with this group of religious people called the Moravians. And there was a great storm one night, and John Wesley literally thought he was going to die. And he writes in his journals about how he noticed that as he was sitting there fearing for his life, this group of Moravians were sitting on the boat, the boat that was being thrown around by the wind and the waves, and they were singing. They were singing praises to God, and it had such an impact on Wesley that when he got back, he continued to follow this group of devout Christians and they invited him to one of their gatherings. And it was at one of their gatherings, in this little church on Aldersgate Street, that Wesley had a pretty radical experience. This person who had grown up in the faith, grown up in the faith, said this about his experience at Aldersgate. It happened on May 24th, 1738. He said, while listening to someone read Martin Luther's commentary on Paul's letter to the Romans, that while that person was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed, strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. 
in this reference to the warming of the heart becomes foundational for how Wesley talks about the work and the role of the Holy Spirit. And even if we go and we read from Paul's letter to the Romans, this, this very same scripture that Wesley was hearing about that night, we read this scripture from Romans eight twenty six and 27 that says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So both for John Wesley and for United Methodists today, it is so important to articulate the moving of the Spirit. John Wesley would come back to North America, have a much different experience. He would ordain people in the States to go and to preach the good news. And not too long after that experience, in 1738, let's see, about 170 some odd years later, a little group of Christians right here in Apex would plant a church. A church right here that we are still a part of today because of the move of the Holy Spirit and the listening. Listen to how our scripture ends this morning, jumping forward to verse 25. Jesus says, I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus has said to us. And if you're reading the Adam Hamilton book alongside us, then... He put it in a really beautiful way that I want to share with you today regarding the work of the Holy Spirit. Adam said that in our daily Christian life, it is the Spirit that nudges and beckons us this way or that. It is the Spirit that helps us pray. It is the Spirit that equips us with gifts to serve others. It is the Spirit that grants us the strength and grace to become increasingly like Christ. When we open ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit, we find power to be transformed and to be useful in fulfilling God's presence. So we believe that the Holy Spirit connects us with God, reminds us of God's teaching, and nudges us to order our steps in the ways that lead to God. But one of the greatest questions I always get asked by people in the church is, Pastor Angelo, how do I know when this nudging or this feeling in my gut is really the work of the Holy Spirit? How do I know that to be true? Sometimes it's really scary to move one way or another if I can't be sure. And it's a great question. But I know that there are many ways that we, as people of God, can tune our hearts, tune our hearts to this place where we are listening to the voice and the message of God. One is through how we connect with Scripture. 
Here in our church, we give you scripture card every week that has daily scripture readings. And those daily scripture readings are connected um, to our sermon content, but even if they weren't, it's an opportunity for you to be involved in reading your scripture every single day. There's also the avenue of prayer, praying on your own, praying with your family, being regularly connected to God in this way helps us to discern God's voice. There are two things I want to highlight uh, this morning as we bring our time to a close. One is that if, if you are looking um, for a way to try to create some space to hear God's voice, to listen for God, to draw closer to the Lord, there's a really neat opportunity this week on our peak campus um, to journey through what's called a prayer labyrinth. If you've never done a prayer labyrinth experience before, um, I highly suggest it. It is a beautiful experience. There will be this labyrinth on the floor. There is one way in and one way out. And you are invited. This will be Wednesday, Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, you'll be invited to come at any time and just walk the labyrinth. You can walk it slowly. You can walk it quickly. You can walk a little bit and then just kind of plop down for a little while. But it's an opportunity to pray and to hear God's voice in a space that is quiet and intentionally created um, for you to connect with God. So that's Wednesday at 6, 6 to 8 p.m. And then the second thing I want to do um, as, we, as we wrap up this morning is actually engage in a practice with all of you that has been really formational for me. Um, and this is a practice of reading scripture um, that I would like to share with you. Um, and I'm going to invite you to actively participate in this morning. So praise the Lord. Get ready. If you have, if you have a, a pen and you want to write on your bulletin, or if you have a phone and you want to pull out your notes app or, or something, some way to engage in this practice, or if you don't want to write anything down but you just want to sit there and reflect, I'm going to invite you into a time of divine reading. This practice is called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. Um, it's an opportunity through contemplation um, to connect with Scripture in a way that is not intended to necessarily deeply study a passage, but to listen for the voice of Jesus, to listen for the nudging of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the reading. So I'm going to read a portion of our scripture passage. I'm going to read it three times for us. And each time I'm going to give you something to consider. Um, and we're just going to spend some time doing this this morning, okay? So get a little comfy. And we're going to leave this up so that you can see it. This first time I read... I'm going to leave a brief moment of silence before I begin. And I invite you, as you listen, to listen for maybe a single word or a phrase that might stand out to you 
doesn't have to be for any drastic aha reason. It could just catch your eye, catch your ear. Um, but just listen. Listen and hold on to it. If you want to write it down, feel free to write it down. If you don't, that's fine. Hear now the word of the Lord. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Take a moment to focus on a word or a phrase that stood out to you. As I read the scripture a second time, consider how that word or phrase that stood out to you reveals something to you about Jesus. Consider how that word or phrase that stood out to you reveals something to you about Jesus. It doesn't have to be some great big truth, but simply focus on the word praise, and Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. as I read the scripture for us a final time. Consider how Jesus is calling you forth from this text. As you think about that word or that phrase, as you think about what that word or phrase reveals to you about Jesus, how is Jesus calling you to intentionally respond or intentionally focus, maybe over the course of the remainder of today, over the course of the remainder of this week, how is Jesus calling you to intentionally respond and focus? Consider what your action might be during this third and final reading. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever.
Amen. Amen. Again, that's a simple practice you can do on your own. You can do it with your family. You can do it with a group of friends. You can talk through it at each time. You can respond to, to what you're hearing, to how God is nudging you. Or you can do it on your own. But my challenge for us today is to consider um, how we might be creating space to intentionally see and hear the work of the Spirit in our lives. Perhaps some of you take a moment on Wednesday evening and experience the prayer labyrinth. Perhaps, perhaps others, you might take some time this week and experience this Lectio, Lectio Divina. Um, you can easily Google it, and you can find many different ways to experience it on your own and with others. But the point is intention. And I really challenge you. And I challenge myself too. Please know that. When I say these challenges, they're for me too. Um, I challenge us to consider how we intentionally create space to listen for the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. And now, as we have done every single week, I'm going to invite us um, to stand as we are able and to join together um, in this great statement of our faith. It'll be on the screens. Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.